1: All right, we are back here for the Death Lineup, episode number three, right after the Warriors beat the Nuggets to take a 3-0 to lead in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Brian is back. We have Eric Carrillo, who also does some shows with Brian on the uh, on the bad. Eric, how's it the, going? Did you say the bad? The bam. The bam. The bam.
2: <laughs> Trademark. Uh, yes, hi. Hello, folks. Uh, I'm, I'm a... Uh, co-host with BG over on the Bam pod, the NFL pod, but I am a big Warriors fan. So I'm kind of glad to, you know, flex my uh, my basketball knowledge a little bit here and kind of diversify
1: it a little bit. But yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with you guys. Okay, so give people a little bit of a perspective. I did this with Bry. Mm-hmm. You are used to the Warriors being really good. At probably ever since you started watching them, they've been good, right? No.
2: So th- my initial era... Well, I've been a Warrior fan since I was born, but my, my initial, I guess, early era was right after post, we believe. So, I guess, 08, you know, the 48 win okay. season, missed, missed the playoffs, and then Steph's rookie year from, like, 09 going to 2012, and then things started to get better. So, yeah. like, my okay. some of my favorite memories are, like, you know, 2011, 2012 with Darrell Wright, you know, some of those uh, those scrub teams that I... I have a soft spot for, but yeah, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I guess in comparison to warrior fans who have been fans, since the eighties or, or nineties. I have a pretty good, but you yeah. got,
1: you guys are, are very lucky to grow up in this era, but you know, it's, uh it is not all, how do you say it? I guess it's it, the, the, the way that the team has been the last couple years, hasn't been perfect. And, uh, and that's why this, this season has been so fun is because they're kind of back and they're competing again at a, at a at a high level. All right, so um, I had uh, I told Brian we're going to talk about a couple of different topics here. We're going to talk about also the NBA, the the how the playoffs are going, and we're going to do our Kaminga watch. So we'll be we'll be going good for about I don't know forty five minutes. So hang hang tight with us here. Uh, so let's start it. Let's kick it off with point one for me uh, on the main topics of the game. And my question was was what happens when the Warriors face a really good Nuggets team? The first two first two games, I, I thought the Nuggets were probably I don't know B minus C plus for for what their fans expected, and the Warriors are going to roll over teams who give a B minus C plus effort. I thought the Nuggets were about a B plus A minus tonight, and I think it showed. And my whole thought process, uh, especially in the third quarter when Nuggets went on that little bit of run, was, okay, Like, how do the Warriors respond? When you call on what we are calling the Fast Five, or what do you call it, Bri, PTSD, or uh, what it, death and max is what Kawakami calls it, that lineup, at some point, the more that you play that lineup, the the other teams have more reps against it. They have more ways to scheme against it, and then and the Warriors went to that lineup early, and it didn't really work at all. Uh, they were a minus six at some point. I'll, we'll we'll figure out what the final numbers are. But when it come to when it came to can they take the Nuggets as best punch, they took it, and then in the fourth quarter they did what they generally do. Brian, what were your thoughts on how the Warriors played at the end there after it looked like the Nuggets? They were ready. The crowd was ready. And then they just kind of deflated it.
3: Um, I think that the Warriors didn't play to the crowd. I thought that, especially in a couple of those last possessions, obviously the acrobatic pool layup, it seemed like they slowed it down, got into half court a couple possessions there. And, um, you know, I I feel like um, when the crowd is going nuts, especially when you're at another team's arena, you might you know you might speed it up a little bit and not play to your pace, even though I think that lineup is really good just playing so fast is' what they always do. Draymond just inbounds it really quickly and they start running. I thought when they slowed it down too it was it was even it was super effective
1: at the end so eric uh Aaron Gordon was pretty terrible those first two games, and in this game he came out, he played really well eighteen points, twelve rebounds he's a plus five he was their best. Uh, When it came to plus minus and, you know, we've been talking the whole time. Are we going to get the the Jokic game 37, 18 and five for Nikola Jokic? Just uh, those are those are their two technically their their best players. We we talked about Will Will Barton a little bit. Didn't have as good of a game as those guys, but they needed their two top guys to come out and play well. And they did. Uh, were there any were there any worries for you down the stretch? Did, did you think that, oh, you know, maybe this is not the Warriors night or were you pretty confident in their ability to come out on top here? I felt pretty good. the The one thing I will say is obviously
2: not having Jamal out there and not having Michael out there, it kind of. It kind of limits how much offensive freedom they have, and you could kind of tell that. I think one of the, like the shots that kind of shows that they are shorthanded was the middle of that run that puts them up five. I want early fourth, right? I think it puts them up five, and you're rolling, and Jokic is getting denied the entry pass, and you gotta pretty much rely on a Jeff Green fadeaway on GP two, and there's just, and I mean, look, it's not a very good shot, but there also isn't a lot of options. Um, running the option. So I wasn't too worried. I, I still feel that if you let Jokic get his, you make timely stops that they're just, I don't think Denver has enough to compete with them right now. I, and I, th- I think it should be a sweep, personally.
1: So a couple people watching uh, on the live stream pop in. You have comments or questions. We'll throw them up on screen while, uh, while we do this. So uh, I I felt the same way as you when it got late there, I thought, okay, Because I I can remember, I think you guys probably remember too, there were moments in games against Houston, in games against Cleveland, where you're like, hmm, I don't know if they're going to be able to punch the gas and and come out on top. And there were some, you know, some of those Houston series were pretty pretty tough, even with KD. Same with uh, 2016. I never felt that way in this game. So that probably says to me that, you know, De- Denver's not, not as, not, you know, they're not that good. They're, they're, they're the sixth seed, but I think a lot of teams would have said, uh, oh, you know, they're probably the worst team in, in the West left. Uh, we see the Pelicans being able to, to play up to, up to par, you know, hopefully Devin Booker gets healthy, but it sounds like he's going to miss a couple of weeks. Um, you see Minnesota playing at a high level. Now they, got out on a big lead today and then gave it all up. Uh, And that just shows that to me shows how good Memphis is. And just, you know how it's not only like when you, when you talk about players, are they ready to be at the playoff level coaching staffs too? Like there was a moment where they probably should have called two or three timeouts and they didn't call any and, and kind of let that run go. But you you see those teams and they're competing. And then you see this nuggets team and they're competing to a point. I don't, I just, you know, for Jokic, he just doesn't have enough firepower there to, uh, you know, to he to, to to have a fair fight, I guess, uh, against the Warriors. Yeah. So, so to, to piggyback
3: to piggyback off
1: of what you were going to say, there is
3: that Denver in the beginning of the game would go on these like runs, and I'd be like, oh shoot, Denver's kind of Denver's got to be winning right now, right? And it's just like, no, Warriors are up five, Warriors yeah. are up six. Yeah. Even when it got down to the wire, like they barely had the lead for that long. So, I think that just that just shows that this is like Eric said, this is, this is leading, this is heading to a sweep um, at most five. So, yeah. And even then this
2: is honestly one of their better shooting nights. It seems like they had an answer for every run that they had. There was never a moment, even the biggest one they had was to put them up five, but it never felt like there was a moment where it was getting out of hand. There was an answer for mainly everything. I mean, the emergence of pool, you can't speak highly enough about him. The emergence of pool has completely changed the landscape of this offense um, to the point where we can have Steph come off the bench. Although I do think, do you guys think that the whole Steph off the bench experiment goes into Game Four,
3: considering <laughs> how the third uh, third quarter started? I I think I think it keeps going until he's off of a minutes restriction. Mm. I, I thought I it was going to be done by Game
1: Two. It's not done. So I think the second round it'll be done for for sure, 100 percent because they just can't afford it. But they're going to have to be creative w- with how they they put that together. I think it's going to be matchup based. I think th- that lineup, that starting lineup, could differ between Memphis or Minnesota, and then even on to the next round if they make it. You know, F- Phoenix will we'll see. You know, the I think I think Phoenix will still win win their first round, but you know, no Booker is tough. Uh, but I, I I do think it, it's such a embarrassment of riches in a sense because the ability to have Steph. Come in, and it's like the warriors are warriors played pretty well in that first quarter there was it was a lot of back and forth the nuggets played excellently on offense too, and it was like, oh, you know punch 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 three 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 the nuggets shot forty three percent from three the warriors shot forty five percent um but once Steph came in, you're like, oh, yeah I forgot <laughs> we we have the best player on our team who hasn't yet come into this game and I I mean it it just it, it's like an extra an extra gear that, that teams don't have now probably means that you know when when they when they do go to the next round they're not gonna have that and they'll have to figure out how to get that punch. Now Jordan Poole can do that too, right? Like Jordan Poole can act like Jordan Poole and Steph could trade spots and I think you get the same effect. Now can Jordan Poole do that? and still have the same confidence. We saw he did not like coming off the bench as much earlier in the in the season. Steph going like, hey, dude, like, n- no harm, no foul here. This is cool for me. I feel like you could just flip-flop those guys and get the same effect uh, that we're getting from Steph coming in, you know, as the first super sub. Yeah,
2: it just... Do you think that, do you think it works as well with JP coming off the bench? That's the only thing I'm curious about because yeah, he's got to buy spoke, in, right? Yeah, because there has, there was that moment in the regular season right when Clay came back where he went on the bench and you could kind of tell there was a bit of an adjustment period. Um, and he sort of picked it up towards the end. But the way Steph has come off the bench and be able to perform this efficiently, I'm just kind of curious if, uh, if JP can do it at the same rate. That's why, because I don't think you want to run with the small ball lineup starting. You know, with the exception of a maybe if it's a big-time series, like we saw in the finals, um Curtis switched a small ball before, but I still think it's a little bit early, especially with Jokic out there. And then next round, you're going to have... You know, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but let's just say either or you're getting Jaron Jackson, you're getting Steven Adams, or you're going to get Cat. So you're still going to have a pretty pretty athletic scoring big man who could probably put 15 on you minimum.
1: And, uh, you know, hes He's got to buy in for one, but I think the one thing that changes a little bit, and it's probably a small thing, but defensively with Steph, you're a little bit more secure there. You start a little bit more sharply on defense. Poole, I, I thought Poole had a couple of excellent uh, moments defensively today where I was like, oh wow, he played that really well. He stopped a break that could have you know, you know punctuated a run for them. Uh, but if you start Steph, there is a little bit of a more of like a defensive identity like the team, the team defense Im- improves. I don't know how much of a singular defender, uh, Steph is better than, than pool, but the team defense is definitely better. So that, that is something now. um But you know, this is what, what Draymond said, right? It's, it's up to Kerr. That that's why he, he makes the big bucks. All right. Let, let's, uh Let's let's talk a little bit more about that lineup. The fast five wasn't so fast today. They, uh, I don't think they played poorly. I think the Nuggets played pretty well. They sort of figured things out. But that's what's going to happen when you play this lineup a little bit more. Like I said, you're going to see more reps. You're going to see more film on them. You're going to see, you know, the, the, they had to. They they played that one-two-two two zone, which just got dunked on a couple times. And so now, what's interesting is it's now it's up to Kerr to figure out. We saw a little bit of Iguodala in that Wiggins spot. I thought that was interesting. They sagged off Iguodala so hard. He had like wide open by 10 feet. It was like 20 feet. Yeah, three-pointers, and he didn't take them. So that's probably playing into Denver's hands a little bit by Iguodala not taking those because Wiggins would have taken those, right? So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But, Brian, what did you think of this? uh, Reggie Miller kept calling it the death line. I thought he was shouting us out there. But what do you think about how they played today? I just think that it's um, I think I think uh, Denver made made some good
3: adjustments, whether it was I thought they were a lot more physical in this game than they've been in the past couple games. I thought a couple more players just played better. Aaron Gordon being one of them, um, even though he looked a little rough in the beginning. But I, I think that the uh, Kerr brought it in pretty early, too. Was it not in the first quarter that he tried it again again this game? Like, I thought it was they, in the they first. They were in
1: there pretty early. Yeah. They were in yeah, there pretty early.
3: early. The uh, yeah. See, I when I was watching it, I couldn't pick out a particular flaw that was, like, bad on their end. I just thought Denver was a lot better today. Like, some of the size,
2: too. I think Denver slowed it down a little bit, and you saw that, too. Uh, Cousins went for a lot more post-ups. Jokic is able to get a bit more work in the post. I mean, this is a really good game from Jokic, too. You know, it kind of it kind of hurts your whole identity when he's dropping, uh, what was it 37 on you? 37, yeah. 14 to 22. Um, I mean, he's the MVP for a reason. Uh, but I do think, I think I like about the death lineup is that there's some interchangeable parts, specifically with, you see Wiggins, I think would probably be the person that's going to be in and out more than anything. But I, I do like to see, you know, guys like GP2 get in there. I like some icky minutes in there as well. I think GP2 is really big. Um, those corner threes that he hit in the first half, he had some big defensive stops. I think you could swap it a little bit more. And towards the end in the fourth, they picked it up. I mean, you had the Dre strip, you had Wiggins. Uh, nothing like describes the Wiggins experience more than like those <laughs> final like, couple possessions where he bricks that wide open corner three. And you're like, fuck, man, like <laughs> you got to knock one. And then next possession comes down, knocks a corner three. Next possession off. It's a rebound off the step. Miss hits at the pool, hits the layup, which almost iced it pretty much. Um, and also Ste- like Steph,
1: see- did, Steph did the sleep. To, yeah. To the, the, the Nuggets sleep, fans. The sleep time is, celebration. Yeah. I
2: saw that. I'd like to see Wiggins get more shots, too. He only put up six shots today as well. I think that there's more room for uh, for Wiggins to get his looks, too. But it could also kind of get hard to get what you want. Maybe he has to do the, the clay model of, like, if I'm getting the bombs, I'm, I'm shooting no matter what. Yeah, because
1: with the pool's emergence, there's uh, less looks to go around. If you could transform or combine Wiggins and Iguodala together, if you could create Wiggodala... Like yeah, that 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 would be the perfect player for this for this death lineup because Wiggins is gonna put it up. If he's open, he's gonna put it up. But Andre adds the ball handling, he adds the passing. Like he was looking for cutters who weren't even open when he threw the ball, but they were open when the ball got there. Like that's how comfortable in the system that he is. And that's not something that you necessarily see Wiggins do. He's not going to make that play. They're not going to put the ball in his hands to make that play. But again, the thing that I'm most interested in is, okay, what does Kerr, what does the coaching staff take from this game to say, we, we were abusing these guys with this lineup in the first two games. They learned some stuff. They figured out some stuff. And now what do we have to do to kind of put it back on our side as far as when we put that lineup in. So that, that's going to be an interesting little chess game there. All right. So my last thing here, this was a battle. Now you look at the boxes. And again, we let, let's read Jokic's box one more time, just because it was devastating. 37 points, 18 rebounds, five assists, seven of nine from the free throw line, two of three from three uh five turnovers though so his pass, there's there were some bad passes he was trying to some I of the entry passes tr- I think he was they're, trying they're to throw some job. throw some guys open as well and they just weren't on the same page as him uh he probably had a few more than than, than three fouls but this was a game where the fouls uh were I, actually if you look at it the fouls were, were almost even 25 and 26 but late in the game uh, they were getting a couple more calls than the Warriors were because of the physicality, but overall great game on Jokic's part. And if you read Draymond's box score, six points, 10 assists, five rebounds, five fouls, four turnovers, you would think, oh, you know, Jokic just absolutely outplayed him. And, you know, he, pro- he if you look at it that way, he probably did, but late in the game when they needed to stop Draymond with five fouls picks his pocket in in the most important uh the most important part of the game for the Nuggets, and then they go and they, and, and they finish him off. But Bry, you know we've seen this matchup three games in a row now. Uh, Jokic is the MVP in game two. He wanted out of there. He did not. He he was not having uh, the time of his life there. But uh, what 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 did you think of Draymond having to? you know the take on what was essentially the best jokic that we've seen so far i i mean i think draymond
3: still did a good job I, I really do feel like the game plan here is like okay jokic can get his but let's 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 contain the supporting pieces there um but with jokic specifically i know we talked about it a little bit in the chat was that jokic kind of had him on some of those three three point pump fakes that yeah. like even me in my seat, I was, like, in the first two games, I was like, Draymond's, like, actually bothering his three-point shot. Is because I've seen Jokic play throughout the season, and it's like, no one expects that three just to come, and it's, like, behind his head, so it's, like, yeah. hard to really, like, bother. But I thought Draymond was doing a good job bothering it. Obviously, Jokic is probably a little off in the shot, but when I was sitting here watching, I was like, oh, my God, he's about to shoot. Like, I jumped with Draymond, and so <laughs> I, I was off there, too, because Draymond jumped a couple, and then Jokic would get by him, but uh i definitely a better game by Jokic. i know we've mentioned his box score in the past couple podcasts you always look it's always a minus today i think it was a plus three and he, he plays for the majority of the game so i, yeah. I would say it's a pretty 38 minutes
1: pretty impressive night from him so he plays 38 aaron gordon plays 34 uh for, on the warrior side uh clay played 37 the guy with the eight, the ACL injury and the Achilles tendon injury plays the most minutes for the Warriors. Draymond was second with 35. Steph 30 minutes and 45 Ooh. seconds. So they 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 pushed him up for sure. Um question. You know, yeah. Do you, so a Reg,
3: mentioning it on broadcast a little where he was saying that like if this goes overtime like technically Steph's over his minutes restriction, do you think he wouldn't have played in that overtime? Uh, I think he plays. I think he plays too.
1: I don't see that happening. Yeah. You want to give up game three. So, you know, I don't want to go fits on everybody. Like it's a, it's a bad thing to go fits on everybody, but you were jumping with Jokic. Jokic is seven feet tall and Draymond is like six, five and a half. I know Draymond's got long arms. He's contesting that three, but he's not blocking that three because of how, how far Jokic, Larry, you know, Larry Bird style jumper. I get, uh, you know, why, why is he jumping there? Why isn't he just getting, you know, as close as possible to to get inside of his body?
3: Oh, goodness.
2: I
1: think uh, the one thing I will <laughs> say is that
2: there was a bit of a contrasting appearance to the game one and game two. You know, there's the crowd aspect of it constantly throughout this game. It was a one or two possession game where a three could be a big swing, a big momentum shift along with the crowd. Um, So I get it. When you're a bit of a tighter game, it's it's harder not to bite on that. And this yeah. is also Jokic's best shooting game as well. You know, there is a bit more of a threat there. Did he knock a three today, though? I don't know if he might have knocked one he or did. two. I three. Right yeah. talking about Draymond or Jokic? Jokic. Uh, Jokic. I know yeah. Draymond knocked one early. But yeah, there I feel like there was a bit more of a, a temptation there. He was on one today. I mean, if you look at the box score, this is by far this obviously I don't want to speak ahead of myself. You know, crazy things have happened. But this felt like Denver's best punch. I mean, you shoot 50% from the field. You out-rebound with 14. Um, you shoot 43% or 42% from three, um, Fairly especially in comparison to what you did. Gordon gives you 18. This felt like their game that they had to steal, similar to, uh, you know, like 2016. And when Portland went and won game three after the, the 2-0 without Steph, you know, this was the, the big game you need to go to kind of shift that momentum. And uh, they had an answer for it. So I, I get it. This is the one game you don't want to give up because 3-0, it's, it's a completely different, you know, there's not as much pressure. You lose three, you lose three zero. You're going right back to chase versus you know two one. Um, but yeah, I, I think he still played well. And even Draymond's, Draymond's, I guess his his game has never been. Yeah, he can lock down, and you saw that in that last possession. But it also, his value comes from setting traps on guys, sending the defense in motion, picking up on picks, picking up on um, setting the double at the right time. Like it's the smaller things that help as well. And when you do need that stop, he will get that stop. And we saw it today. That rip was clean. You know, especially with it five fouls clean. as well. Yeah. That, with five fouls, that's a that's a gutsy rip to go for in a tight game like that. But you know, Dre's been in those moments. This core's this core uh kind of showed it today, though. A lot of those clay threes are those are vintage clay big game threes where you're like, no, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. Like the it reminded me a lot of like the Thunder game, game six, um, especially some of those deep pulls that he had early coming off screens.
1: Uh but yeah, I feel good, man. I feel good he w- he was definitely in chuck mode and you know yeah. one thing that he's added to his game that i feel like i know that he did it some but i feel like since he saw the uh 2 years ago Steph season no last year Steph season where Steph would do the slide step the pump fake and the slide step i see clay doing that a lot more this year and it gets him that little bit more open and when he does that some it's it's a little bit slower cuz clay's footwork is 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 a little bit slower but i think that's also helping him get open because guys are still flying at him he's still one of the best shooters in the nba passes ray allen uh for playoff threes only behind steph and lebron now as far as all time so yeah good re- really strong game from clay i think um you know the defense is going to be the defense for what it is right now he's not going to be that lockdown guy they're not asking him to do that he's actually guarding bigger guys and that that's just kind of what you have to deal with. But offensively, you know, today he looked like regular clay as we've always known him going back a few years. It felt like a vintage clay game in the way of like Katie would
2: get like 30 Steph would get his 30 or whatever. And then you kind of be like, what, what was clay doing? And he checks the box score and it's like 24 points over 50% shooting. And it just kind of quietly happened throughout the game. He, he's he fits that niche extremely well. I think like better than anyone else in the NBA.
1: All right, so we talked about this in the first two games as well. The unanswerable question is is around injuries. Warriors are an older team. Andre misses game two. He's got the neck problem. He goes and gets what? uh, Acupuncture? Is that what they said that he got was acupuncture? And then the the sideline reporter was like, oh, it's the third, third through fifth best thing I've ever done in my life or something like that. It's like... Third, I thought fifth. they were doing like a mid game advertisement, <laughs> <laughs> and then Reggie's like, I want to know what one, two, and three is if it's fifth, if it's your fifth favorite thing of all time. Um, and and so Andre, you know, he is he's a little bit older, he's 38. I, I saw that surprised me when I when I realized he was 38. I was like, wow, uh, I, I guess I'd for whatever reason, I just I always assume that he's like in his like early 30s or whatever, but uh, 38 <laughs> uh, in this game. You had Jordan Poole go down, uh, he banged his arm on on the floor. Part of the game of him being, you know, somebody who goes to the hole really hard. Uh Draymond turns an ankle late there in the fourth. Uh I guess it was mid-fourth. And I was kind of like, "Uh-oh," cuz you know, with him, the lower half, the calf, which which kind of kicked off the, these injuries for him. I I got a little worried there. But ahead 3-0 I think they're going to go for the kill because you go for the kill. You hope Minnesota can get one more at least. And then you got a nice little three or four day break there and you can try and rest up. You can try to rest these guys. I don't imagine the, the pool arm thing is going to go away very quickly. Uh, Andre could have, you know, reoccurrence of, of neck spasms or just, Backspell, whatever, whatever that's related to. Uh, And, you know, an ankle tweak. Everyone's had an ankle tweak who's ever played basketball. It's not like that just disappears when you wake up the next morning. So I think they go for the kill. They want to end game four. They don't want to play any more games so that they can take that rest. So whatever that means, if that means Steph getting a couple more minutes, uh, if that means them going more to this fast five lineup because they think it's going to work, I I think they are going to go for that kill shot so that they can get out of there uh, as soon as they can. Um, All right. So a little comment from, uh, from Robert Denver through their best counter and it still wasn't enough. Warriors are going to sweep from uh, your mouth to God's ears there, Robert. We want to see that happen. Uh, Okay. So uh, that's kind of it from the analysis piece. Was there anything else that you guys saw that you wanted to mention that I didn't bring up? I have a question. One question.
2: Why is Belly getting minutes over Kuminga? I do not get it. <laughs> I, I do not get it at all. Like, I It's just,
3: what I he just... brings. I'm conv- It's just like, I think it's his ability to be able to stretch the floor and then Kerr is just in love with him. Knowing how to pass the basketball
2: does does he stretch the four though? I get you know the early the early season success that Belly had you know with the he was shooting really well and then obviously things tailored off in the end. And I don't want to and I don't think it's it's a valid thing to say. Oh, for the defensive purposes, maybe Beal least has an inch on him. He's more of a prototypical four. When you consider how easily Demarcus is getting what he wants in the paint when he was up against him, how easily uh, Jokic is getting in the paint against him, I think at least with Kuminga. You have explosiveness on the offensive rebounding side of things. He's willing to shoot the three, which I think you could kind of say is a fault for Belly because he he often looks hesitant to pull, especially you know it's been a, kind of a trend ever since maybe the last three fourths of the season. I I don't get. It. I know he's a rookie, um, but it's not like Belly was a part of that playoff core who was who's been through those battles and has had those big moments. Uh, he had a decent game too, but clearly you could kind of tell this game that things weren't going very well, uh, and he was he was struggling. On both sides. I'm not sure
1: what you guys think, though. I think it's a couple of things. One, he's got two inches and about 10 to 15 pounds on Kaminga. So it is, you know, putting him in a position where if he doesn't succeed, he's a vet. He's going to be fine. He's not going to put his head down. If Kaminga in that moment doesn't succeed, it could affect a, a few different things, right? So it's the whole veteran rookie thing. But I agree with you. I think Kuminga. I think I thought they should have found a way to play him a little bit, like in like a two or three minute spurt, when it looked like the Warriors were a little bit tired. There, Kerr stayed with the plan. We got to see some auto auto Porter miss threes out of it, but Porter's there and has the highest plus minus on the team uh, because of the rebounding and because he's a smart player. The other thing now, Now I, I don't know if they would even say this, but as a fan, I'm watching it. I'm going like, okay, what is the thing that I can live with in this game at this moment? It's the boogie, five dribbles, turn left shoulder, turn right shoulder, half of a hook. I can live with that because we know uh, we would rather have them stay, you know, allow Boogie to, to, to suck up some time, suck up some shots rather than get their shooters going, right? He's not going to do that. Jokic will do that. Jokic will see the doubles. Boogie's not going to see the doubles and, and make that pass as much as Jokic will Boogie wants to get his. So I think there's a little bit of like, if we, if we let, if we play Boogie in this way, then he's going to be uh single minded. He's going to want to score and we know from watching Boogie uh, four years ago, three years ago, that that is not always the best thing for the offense. That might be the best thing for Boogie because he likes to get involved, but it may also be a little ball stopperish. So I think there's something there. I don't know if they would admit that because uh, you know you, you don't want to. It's sort of a a, a subtle diss at Bielitsa at the same time. But I just think because he's just a big guy, he holds his ground, and he's a he's a vet about it. Do you have any thoughts, Bry? Um,
3: from just like the playing perspective, I get the whole rookie mentality thing. I do think that, yeah, Kaminga's had a couple games where he'll go on a quick, bad stretch and then Kerr takes him out. Sometimes it could be due to rotation, but I feel like if you're a young guy like that, you're like, oh, he's pulling me because I'm bad. I did bad head down a little bit. Um, but I, I I was like, I was, oh, you guys, you guys know me. I'm so big on the Kaminga train. Like I want (laughs) to see him in almost every single. I think we all are right. Like we all are like, I'm like not to say I'm more of a Kaminga guy, but I just feel like I'm like, okay, let's try this with Kaminga. Let's put him on Giannis versus the Bucks. Let's see what happens here. I I was like, Kaminga looks like the most, like physically to me, the most physically intimidating, probably like physically intimidating guy on the Warriors. I think his build, he just looks, he's huge, is like he's pretty ripped. And I was like, okay, he could probably bang with some of the bigs there. But I feel like some of those like powerful bigs who are like, even like Boogie, who just will use his lower body strength to the, End of time, and uh, and you just bumps with you. I feel like you would have still gotten the best of Kaminga. I don't think it would have been that much of a defensive. Uh, I don't think I don't think Boogie's stats would have changed, and that's fine. Boogie nine minutes, nine points. I don't think anything that doesn't really shift the game.
1: And so to add what you said, if they put Kaminga in that role, does Malone go? Oh shoot, we got to go small because Boogie can't guard coming on the other side I and think then they it chi- helps the warriors though cuz if you put in Aaron Gordon at the 5 that's your small is that what you're considering there Aaron well, Gordon at the 5 Well I, uh, I don't I I'd have to look at their roster but probably something like that and maybe to Kerr he's like well that speeds up the game it makes it more it makes it less uh predictable I guess for for them they could go on a, a shooting streak and we don't want that to happen we want them to stay in this like really like you know a uh, time sucking offense for where where we possibly are going to make two a uh, threes and they're only going to make twos. That's a good point. Yeah, I will say I think
2: uh, obviously you don't want to get ahead of yourself. You know, let's close the series out. But I do think that Kuminga minutes make a lot more sense next round, especially because regardless if you get. Minnesota, or you get Memphis. There's a lot of young athletic stretch fours on both those rosters. Guys like Beasley, um, and then you have who is ah, who's the guy on Memphis?
3: Uh, Fifteen powerful. We're forward. getting stumped on uh, Brandon Clark yeah. for both podcasts. Brandon and
1: Clark, yes. San Jose State. Go. Come on, I should know. Spartans, it's hard enough, baby.
3: baby. Yeah.
2: Brandon Clark, there's a lot more of a, I guess, typical like modern stretch fours that Kuminga would fit in well, because I don't think the elites have a matchup quite as well in those matchups. So hopefully we do see some Kuminga minutes. Cause I want to see it.
1: By the way, you're also a Spartan, right? Uh, f- yeah, actually I am. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you remember who were, who were some Spartans that you can remember who were like good players? Not a single one. i oh, be completely honest. Man. I never, we
2: weren't very good when I went there. I mean, obviously, Brandon Clark was there, I think my freshman year, I think in like 2017 or whatever, but I was not, I was not checking out San Jose State's uh, basketball team. One of these days, we're going to, we're going to become a contender. We'll knock out Kentucky out of the bracket, but uh, fortunately, my era wasn't the one to get that.
3: Okay. Was there good athletes in your era? So, uh-huh.
1: um, are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so, so, uh, gosh, it would have been my junior year, maybe. We win the, I think it was before it was the Mountain West. I think we we're in like the Big West or it was like some different conference. We win that conference tournament to go to the NCAAs and we have to play. I want to say it was Antoine Walker's Kentucky Wildcats team in the first round. I think I've heard oh, this man. story. And my, they, my yeah, the, the, um, the, the main, the best player on their team was a guy by the name of Olivier Saint Jean. He became Tariq Abdul Wahed in the NBA. Uh, when I was so, so, uh, actually, uh, a friend of a friend of mine who's watching, I, this is what I was going to mention as well. Uh, Mark, Mark Nabita mentioned Ricky Berry. And I was and I was going to mention that name, too, because Ricky Berry, uh, I think he was drafted by the Sacramento Kings in like the late mid to late 80s. He was like a top 10 pick or something. But him and Olivier St. John, Tariq abdul also drafted by Sacramento Kings. Uh, they would be like the two best players of the last 40 years to, to play at San Jose State because they Man. both got drafted in the NBA. Oh, I, wow. was at oh, yeah.
3: a, I was at U of A for four years and my five sweeps your five.
1: <laughs> I only got two. <laughs> your your five, is my like, two.
3: DeAndre thinking, right? eight, like Josh Green, Zeke Nagy, Nico Mannion, yeah. Ben Matherin, Christian Coloco, uh, Alonzo Trier, who needs to find his way back in the league. Ricky Barry's um, better than
1: Nico
2: Mannion. 18th so, yeah, overall yeah. pick. 1988. Yeah, yeah,
1: to the Kings. Yeah, I think he lost was... Very long, he, he was also on that Olympic team in 88 as well. Uh the, the Olympic team that became the infamous Olympic team because they lost to Soviet Union. And then the dream team comes in the next mm-hmm. year in 92. And uh, just to clarify, I'm just talking
3: about the people who went there when I was there. Obviously, I would name Egan or just, you know, Warriors Steve fans. Kerr. Steve Kerr, yeah. Aaron Gordon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> was Aaron Gordon in Arizona? Yeah. yeah. Number two. Was he in the number two pick? What year was he? No, no, he been? was like the number 5 or 4. Oh, it was it was, five.
1: it was the Wiggins draft, I believe. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, last uh, last couple things here before we talk about what's going on in some of these other playoff games. Uh, we had another pool party tonight. <laughs> he yeah. he in in three games, let me see. Uh, Slater had Slater had the number of uh, of his 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 game scoring for the first three games. It was uh first game was gosh. All of a sudden I can't now I can't find it. Come on, Slater. Oh, first game, 30 points, nine of thirteen from the field. Second game, 29 points, 10 of 16 from the field. And this was almost a little I, I didn't realize he played this well offensively. Nine of 13 shooting, 27 points, 86 points on 42 shots, becomes only the 16th player ever to score. 25 points or more in his first 3 playoff games including 3 of 5 from 3 point land which tells me that he needs to shoot more of them because he's he's been so excellent at them but yeah Jordan Poole what what an amazing first 3 games and and I thought this this game I thought they were like okay what can we do to kind of slow him down well let's be a little bit more physical let's put him in some of these harder screens Let's attack him a little bit more. Let's, you know, push him around. And he, he played through it. He fought back. He came back from injury. Excellent game from Jordan Poole. Are you guys, uh, are you guys bought in uh, on him this playoff season? Is he, is he going to continue to play this well? Um, or do you think that some of the stuff that he does that they they can actually scheme around it, Bry? Um, I think I think the Suns would be the would be the
3: matchup that I think and maybe Memphis a little bit uh, maybe not it's, i I don't, I don't know as much yeah more sons because yeah definitely more phoenix but i've been bought in on jordan pool for so long and that's probably to a detriment a little in the beginning when i'm when this kid's like the worst rookie of all time <laughs> but i was i've been so high on jordan pool like it i told you in a text chat like my roommate went to high school with him so like that that's always something cool that i was like oh he's on the warriors now and i'd always like tell him what jordan Poole was doing um but yeah, I, I think the thing that specifically sticks out to me about these nights, which I don't think will be replicated in future series, but it's just the efficiency is insane. Yeah. Nine for 13, that's well over 50. 10 for, oh, for 16, well over 50. Nine for 13, well over 50. That's ridiculous. Like if we're talking about Slater's tweet becomes only the sixth, 16th player ever to score 25 plus in first three playoff games, what's the record on the efficiency he's doing it at? Like it's probably wilt efficiency, honestly. Like it's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous.
1: Like it's just, it's insane. So I was looking at Phoenix's lineup. Uh, so they're going to throw bridges out there. And if if Booker's healthy, Booker and Paul, Cam Johnson, th- that, that's four wings who you could throw at the Warriors guys. But I don't know. He's, he's so slippery I feel like he's going to give unless, you know, those guys can play a little bit more physical with him. I feel like he's going to be able to have the opportunity to do what he does best, even against a team as good as Phoenix, just because, you know, there's three of them out there. There's there's Mm -hmm. him and there's Steph and there's Clay and you can only guard. You know, one or two of those guys at once, and somebody's going to slip open. Especially the way that the Warriors were passing. Now Draymond's, you know, overpassing a little bit here and there, but I think he's going to. He has the opportunity to continue to to play this way Uh as long as he. Now there, there's a part of this where I'm a little bit worried. In that we, you guys probably don't remember this as, as well, but uh there was a, a, a series 2000 in. 14 against the Clippers and the they were, Clippers were playing so physical that a lot of the Warriors were kind of shying away from the moment. Now, Steph, Steph was like killing himself to, to beat this team. And unfortunately, you know, Clippers win in seven, but oh, if you, hurt. if you, if you get a game, yes, exactly. If you get a game or a series where the physicality is just uh, is just a, a little bit much. I could see how that could affect Poole a little bit, but the guy's great in space. Uh, I, in the back of my mind, every time I see Draymond come to set a screen and then Poole goes the wrong way, I'm like, uh-oh, he's going to get yelled at. But Draymond seems to be, you know, to think, okay, like, I'm going to let this guy do his thing because he's making the right decisions here. So uh, I, I, I'm with you guys uh, as far as, as him. I, I want to see... I kind of just want to see what happens when they kind of lock him a little bit, and they they do hook like you saw the Jeff Green hooking him on that screen. He gets called for the foul, but you know there's stuff like that that's going to happen over some of the uh, over the next series. Is that I want to see how he plays through that stuff.
2: Before before we go, I just want to say that Steph was fouled by CP three. It was at game <laughs> five. He got shoved on. The, he got murdered on that top of the key three. I think that was at Oracle, wasn't it?
1: I, I don't remember. I I've I, I've got to. I was able to ask Andre a question about that series. I made it about the the Donald Sterling thing, so I didn't I didn't get to talk to him about basketball. But I should have asked him how close were they really to winning that series? Because man, that, that series just seemed so back and forth, back and forth. What what a, what a great series that was, even though they lost. All right, Brian. I think this one's going to be pretty easy here. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Do we got the, music this time. The Kaminga watch, yes.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> so today's Kaminga watch. I'm not even gonna have to pull up a box score because it was a good little DMP. He oh man, the Warriors weren't winning enough for him to go in for the for the the trash minutes, and he wasn't used when I thought they could use him. And I'm gonna say that every game, I feel like he could he could be of use. So this Kaminga watch, I just allow me to speak for five minutes straight without anyone interrupting
1: me. When he finally gets a minute there, Steve Kerr's ruining our bit is what it is. That's exactly what it is. I mean, we, we had it, we had an idea. We had a bit about Kaminga. He's going to, going to be that little spark plug and Steve Kerr's Like, no, you can, you, you guys, it's not going to happen. Uh, but the next two series is, I agree with both of you. He's going to, he's going to play how he plays and the spots that he plays in. Uh, I think, I think, that's that's going to be sort of a wait and see because Kerr historically has been like, okay, here's your chance. Oh my gosh, we're a minus six when you're on the court. Uh, <laughs> see you in four games, right? Like kind of how...
3: And this uh, also helps like him getting playoff minutes in high intensity games. If they want to do this whole little Spurs thing where they bridge the the present to the future, like these are, these are like important things for him to be placed into. Now I get we're trying to win the whole thing, but I still think that he... I don't think he would. Uh, I don't think he would screw it as much as maybe Steve and is
1: thinking he might. Well, early before this playoff started, people were saying, "Is Kaminga going to be the Kawhi Leonard of the Dude, finals?" We, we said it on our podcast
3: too. Like, I think right when that, I think it was maybe around Christmas time or a little earlier when this kid started. Doing the Kaminga things we saw a year with these poster dunks, I think Alex was actually the one to say it on our podcast. He was like, "This kind of reminds me of like, and I know it didn't. It's not going to end up happening, but this kind of reminds me of of that that Kawhi series. I believe it was like 2014 when Kawhi won the Finals MVP. Obviously, yeah, Kaminga's not finals, winning the Finals MVP, but like that kind of impact where it's like, oh, we have this rookie that we could just that that and and Kaminga has that like two way factor to him too. But actually, Kevin O'Connor.
1: Tweeted out that he thought Jordan Poole was that. Yeah, today. that that that's kind of what I was getting to was. Yeah, now people are saying it's Jordan Poole instead of Kaminga, which is and they're right. It's kind of cool. I mean, it's cool to think about, right? If yeah. Jordan Poole can affect a series the the way that Young Kawhi did. Uh, okay, now let, we're done talking Warriors. Let's, let's just kind of uh, that there was some stuff happening in the NBA today, and we'll look ahead to tomorrow's games. But. uh we have an around the NBA segment. Let's see. Can we get just some more NBA sexy music the- here? <laughs> it's not sexy enough. Uh, you, you don't like that. You don't. This guy was just bombing today. He's like bringing <laughs> br- bringing the Grizzlies back. He he was the best player on the floor. I think if today. anything,
3: it's got to be Jalen Brunson.
1: Uh, ben said it
3: in the last pod. Yeah. He's like, "How is how is Jalen Brunson uh, yeah. doing this to these teams?" I, I will push back a little because I I wanted to push back on that podcast, but I just forgot to chime in. Jalen Brunson is nice. There's there's a couple um, users on TikTok that will like break down some of his like uh, some just break down players like nasty moves. Like Jalen Brunson has some. Moves. He's really good with his pivot foot. He's just like really patient too. Jalen Brunson's night. I think he had another 31 tonight. Like he, he's, he's a good player and he's going to get paid this off. Pa- yeah. i this playing off. himself
2: out of, uh, out of, uh, Dallas though. He might be, make, oh, yeah. he might be making Probably. too much when he goes into free agency.
1: So Dallas as a team, uh, Brunson was really the only buddy, the only guy who, who wasn't making any threes. Kleber goes 4 of 5. Josh Green, 3 of 5. Davis Bertons, 4 of 7. Jeez. That's uh, like the only
3: thing he has to do. A- as a, The, the
1: only shots he took. He he, he yeah. went to the free throw line three times, but the only shots he took were three-pointers. They go 18 of 42 from three-point line. And, you know, Jace, Jason Kidd, who my favorite college basketball player of all time, Jason Kidd, he said the other day, he's like, uh, we, "We we're making three-pointers. They're making two-pointers. It's just mathematics. <laughs> Who says mathematics over math? Jason Kidd says mathematics. Okay. I'll, I'll, uh, as we're talking, uh, I'll see if I can find the photo of me, me and Jake Kidd. Um, I met him once. Uh, he came to my office. My buddy, Prakash, it brought him in. Uh, they they both are cow guys. And uh, he came over, and I, I made sure, you know, I had to shake his hand i'd say what's up because i go i go back when he was in high school i was i was following his career and so we have this little hoop uh on in in the office it's like one of those little play toy hoops and i was like hey you know i just want to get a picture with you and he's like all right he's like how about you get the ball and you just come and you're just like pretend like you're dunking on me i was like no i don't take a picture like it's sort of like take a homie <laughs> picture with you. So, cool cool guy, very 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 chill guy, but uh yeah, Jason mathematics kid here. Uh but you you know, Dallas and then they're supposed to get Luca back next week or next game, I think, next right? Next game. Yeah, yeah, next, next, next game. game. Um I it, it it's crazy to see the way that they are able to just spread these guys out. You know, Utah is the ultimate, 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 ultimate regular season team. Nobody wants to see them in the playoffs because of disappointment. This is just a perfect opportunity for Dallas. Now, Luca comes back. The offense changes a little bit. It's completely run through him. The usage of of one Luca goes way up. He's got to he's got to be able to 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 get Brunson his his stuff too because Brunson is hot. So that'll be an interesting thing to see. But uh, yeah, Dallas takes takes control, and uh, they are ahead two to one. Uh, Real in quick, the series. Though, there's a
2: disaster class going on in Utah right now. Like these last couple months, do you think they blow that all up?
3: Yes, one hundred percent. Let me here. This is what I want to I want to puff my chest a little bit because this is what we've been saying on the Bam Basketball
1: Pod, Shameless. By the way, I, I called it the bad because uh, I think my, you just uh, brain farted, man. No, no, no. So here's what happened. <laughs> so I had the YouTube stream open and I started this show and the YouTube stream is about 10 seconds behind us doing this. And so it just started playing randomly in the background. I was like, Oh my God, where's that noise? And then I went to click and I clicked the Uh. YouTube video off. But then I looked at you and I said, the bad. Because that's what you are. So, I, yeah, I, that's how I screwed up. Uh, ben Cruz
3: comes on the podcast and gets the ultimate intro. And Eric's first time on the pod, he gets the bad, the
1: bad. instead look, of the look, bad. Man. no, ben, the bad co-host. Look, <laughs> Ben works for the ringer, okay? <laughs> if Eric gets a job at The Athletic doing podcasts and running their whole podcast department... The next time he comes on this show, it's like the red carpet. Like, we're just like, I'm going to figure out how to put a red carpet on the screen and we're going to play in like... due
3: time, man. In due time. In, it's yeah, going to be I, Eric make works that up.
1: for the bam instead. And then that's how we'll <laughs> <Yeah>. do <That's laughs> how we <laughs> the, the ringer?
3: But anyways, okay, back to this Utah-Dallas series. Yes. The reason I'm puff- puffing my chest a little bit is because I think we've been calling this on the basketball podcast for a while now. Utah has a serious problem, and why they are a regular season team is because if you look at their perimeter defense, who is their best perimeter defender? He either plays three or the four, and it's Royce O'Neal. Royce mm-hmm. O'Neal is six, four, and he's not even that good of a de- perimeter defender, in my opinion. Royce, Donovan five, nine, Mitchell yeah. has the athletic capabilities... To be a good defender, he has a super long wingspan, but he's just really not good on defense. If Donovan Mitchell truly bought in and just went into the offseason and like tried to just up his defensive game, like I feel like he should want to be at where Anthony Edwards is already as a defender. Like this year, you're, you're going Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, really bad defenders, Royce O'Neal. I guess you could say average. I'm going under average, and then Bogdanovich, bad perimeter defender. And what happens is that they Utah when they're playing defense, they try to put um, Gobert on whoever's on the corner most likely. And so what happens is that Dallas or whoever Utah has played in the playoffs, they will just take them off the dribble and beat them. And Gobert likes to sink in because he wants to defend the rim because his guys can't defend the perimeter. It's not that Gobert is a bad perimeter defender. I feel like we see a lot of highlights on Bleacher Report of, oh my God, Gobert just got dunked on by Terrence Mann last year in the playoffs. Today it was Dinwiddie. It's not that. It is that Gobert is just his his supporting cast on defense is so 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 awful and it's it's it's, it's, it's tremendous to to dallas to what they're doing but i called it i think even when you and Obi on the first podcast you was like uh, i think we're gonna take utah because they went up went up one zero i was like utah's the biggest sell job in the nba man they'll just completely blow leads like there's no way they win this series there's still I've, a chance they do but because i think when luca comes back there could be a little bit of like a like a Jalen Brunson, I'm just speculating here, but what if Jalen Brunson's like taking a couple of Lucas shots now that he's dropping 41 and 31, maybe it doesn't sink as well for one game back. Dallas is still winning the series. And I want to get this on record because it's going to sound like an absurd take, but I've been texting it in a group chat and I just want to make sure this is on a podcast in the 1% chance this happens. Let's say Phoenix either loses to the Warriors or let's, like worst case scenario to me, they go to the finals and they lose to the, Bucks again maybe or we we might get into the bucks a little, in the, celtics, in a little celtics. bit here celtics even and let the, i mean you're you have you have cp3 who is an aging cp3 could be on his way out this is the window for them to do it bookers at playing at an all-time high mikhail bridges almost just one defense player of the year where do you look to change things do you just run it back again for the third year in a row that's definitely an option but what if you say okay sign and trade go bear come to Come to come to Phoenix, DeAndre and something, or Gobert and something. DeAndre goes to Utah for Utah, it resets their timeline just a little bit. For Phoenix, it pushes their timeline to even more win now. And I think Chris Paul has been able to make guys like Bismack Biyombo look like a starting five in this in this age of of the NBA. Gobert is not the best on offense, but imagine what Chris Paul can can. He could just be a lob threat. And I just think that it makes sense, although. I could see where the criticism could be towards that, is because DeAndre is going to be a future all-star. But I just think that the the window for now, you can't just keep running it back, in my opinion. There's got to be a change. I don't know. I don't think that's the supporting cast. I think it might end up being a starter. And I think Mikael Bridges, you just paid him. I don't see why you would do it with there. Devin Booker is one of the best players, ten top 15 best players in the NBA. Chris
1: Paul is still playing really well. I think it could be an Ayton move. That well, is my opinion. To, to back your point up, their perimeter is Mitchell 6'1", Conley 6'1", Royce O'Neal 6'5", and then who's their super Six sub? five is generous. Their super sub is Jordan Clarkson, who doesn't play any defense whatsoever. Yeah. So there is a lot of responsibility for Gobert to kind of fix a lot of stuff that is uh, is not working correctly for that team. And he probably does get a lot of unnecessary flack, but also it's because his personality is kind of weird. And yeah, those yeah. guys you can tell; those NBA players don't like him at all for whatever reason. Draymond, uh, <laughs> Dray- Draymond, <laughs> but he's, a he's also the, he's he's also years. the last pit. He's the last pick in the All Star game. Not this yeah. year, thanks to James Harden.
2: <laughs> if he wasn't the last pick this, if he was the last pick, what has been, like three years in a row, four years in a row? Like since they adopted and- the the draft format, that he was the last <laughs> yeah. pick.
3: And before that, he was crying because he didn't make it. Oh. It's just- Yeah. But imagine Gobert with that Sun's supporting cast or just that Sun's perimeter defense. Like you have so much the most confidence in the world. Because in my opinion, I think when KD came to the Warriors, he was already a pretty good defender. He had the body type and he had the instincts to do it. But I think him being able to rely on Draymond behind him, Clay in front of him, I think that was easier for him to be like, okay, I could really like depend on these guys. My defense game, my defensive game is gonna go up. You could say the same thing for Wiggins. We didn't really hear much about two way Wigs until he got to the Warriors, and then he had Draymond behind him. So I just think that. When you put someone of Gobert's caliber defensively on a team that is really good perimeter centric, uh, their defense, it could even get better. That's just I just wanted to get that on paper. I
2: will say though, I feel like the world is a bit the media at least is a bit on a Rudy Gobert national apology tour, considering how the series is going. I'm seeing a lot more uh, Rudy wasn't the problem rhetoric.
3: (laughs) I'm just so glad that we said this so early. It's because you're right. Yeah, everyone's starting to realize it. Yeah, because Rudy gets a hard time
2: because there's always clips of him being out. Like you said, most of the clips that Rudy gets clowned on are him either getting dunked on or getting exposed out on the perimeter. Ignoring the context behind it, the one thing I will say is, if your center doesn't get ducked on, he doesn't try to go up and to protect the rim. A conventional center, any any prototypical rim rim protector in that, which is a dying breed in all honesty, but that type of center is going to get dunked on. Even the the best centers of the '90s got dunked on. tumbo got dunked on. All these guys who are renowned for their rim protection got to get dunked on. And that even like the you know the Steph clip. What was that? Twenty seventeen. Where he did, he did the 360, yeah, yeah I know what you're talking staff about. The step clip. Um, I mean, it's easy to clown on him, defensive player of the year, but his his effect really does come at the rim. That's where his value is. He completely changes the um, the driving kick, the inside game. Whenever he's there, you know people are are hesitant to go in at him. Even though I, I maybe we all, even especially Warrior fans, like to give him a give him grief every once in a while because it feels like he might have stole a, a defensive player of the year from Draymond. He is valuable, and yeah, I think uh, with a better. With a better team, he could probably uh, get more of his due. But regardless, I think Utah's getting blown up, so I, I have no yeah, idea where he's going to end up. But I think next year will be interesting. We'll see. Oh yeah. Uh,
1: the other thing about him is how do the, how how do the Warriors play him? Well, they just go small and they try to take him off the court, right? Like that's the mm-hmm. that's the switch that uh, a lot of teams are going to do to him, and it's not his fault because he is a shot blocking back, you know, back to the basket center, but if you are looking at it from the Utah perspective, who's more valuable? Is it Mitchell or is it Gobert? Because that that's going to be the choice that they have to make. Who's the guy that we back? And it's a very guard dominant league, oh, yeah. right? That's why I think Gobert's on the way out. So, all right, just uh, just quickly, Memphis. They uh, they they come back and uh, beat the Timberwolves. Can the Timberwolves? come back from such a devastating loss here you made fun of my desmond bain photo there but he has 26 7 of 15 from three they come all the way back oh somebody's boy cat eight (laughs) points five rebounds in 32 minutes he's in foul trouble again uh, and uh, and D'Angelo Russell nine of twenty one. Brian, are you wearing your D'Angelo J- Russell jersey? What's going on? <laughs> that's, uh, a, that's a r- rough, voice. rough, rough moments for uh, for the Timberwolves. There, I don't know how they come back from that. Uh, you know, they're a young team, so the whole aspect of how does you know how, how does the team come back? I, who's the vet to go? Okay, guys, here's what we do in this scenario. It's Bev, and that's Bev and Greg Monroe. But, Okay, but but Bev, how does Bev know what what to do in this scenario? Bev's not a lead dog, right? He's not a guy who's like, uh, you know, you guys calm down. i'll I'll put you on my back. He's more of a, a like a, a hard nosed grinder type of player. And those guys, you know, they, they can lead by example, but they're not gonna necessarily lead by uh, you know being that vocal person in the room. I, I've seen Pat Bev Pat Beverly uh on interviews and stuff you know he's, he's not going to be win the most inspirational speech uh, of the year or anything <laughs> so uh t- to me it's cat but cat doesn't really have a leg to stand on because of how poorly he played tonight so i don't i don't know where that's going to come from for them
2: I think he's struggled ever since they swapped they gave adams less minutes and a lot more jaron jackson it, you could definitely see the struggle there comp- and especially adams didn't even play tonight yeah did not play one, to game, one. Cause game one because game one looked like a monster uh, I, I think it's uh it's a young core, you know, it's a it's a, I guess a gut check moment especially you blew two 25 point leads and in all honesty there there's a lot of blame to go around. I don't know uh the the logic behind not taking a timeout in a 21-0 run makes no sense to me. I am still puzzled just thinking about it now. There was a lot of bad shots, a lot of pull-up threes trying to like kind of quell the run that didn't make sense. Delo had some bad shots and had some bad shots. But yeah, I mean like you said, sure Pat Bev isn't the isn't the star player. He's not the one who's going to get you out of uh, these situations. It has to be Ant, it has to be D'Lo, it has to be Cat. But if this this core is really good enough, they can get there. I think the one thing they have shown, though, is they could score on this team. They could play with this team. It's just uh, some of the shot selection. There's a lot of lapses on defense as well, giving up corner threes, falling asleep on guys when they're rotating, little things like that. Like, I do think that this game can still go seven. Um, I don't think... I don't want to say Minnesota's dead in the water yet. I think they've matched up well. Even game two, obviously, they got blown out. But for the first half there,
3: it was a really competitive game. Just things kind of got out of hand. No, I'm over it. Memphis is getting them in like five. (laughs) You got them in five? (laughs) You're giving up? I I mean, the thing is, I I called Memphis winning in five or six. So I think it's going to stay like that. I think it... Yeah. Like you said, with the Bev stuff, I mean, if you look at the starting lineup with Vanderbilt, like Bev has the most playoff experience there. Like the game literally just popped up again. So I'm getting to see who was matched up against who. And one of the big uh, points going into the series was, in fact, that Cat goes off against Steven Adams. They had Steven Adams in in the first game. It sounds like he wasn't in there for the second game. And then I don't see him here for the third game. And Cat just gets limited because Jaron Jackson Jr. is also one of the best defenders in the league, in my opinion. He so, only put up four shots too. That's just that's it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, cat's about to make There's a third no team. Yeah, cat's gonna make a third team All NBA and is completely like imploding in the in in the biggest stage. For, I'm not giving the up for the Minnesota
2: Timberwolves. Um, um, I'll publicly declare I got Minnesota winning Game Four in Minnesota. I want to believe. All right, I they, they need it. On,
1: they, put that on record. They definitely need it. And uh, if you look at the other side, Ja doesn't have a. He has a really bad shooting game. Actually but uh, does other stuff gets a triple double uh, and sounds a state's own Brandon Clark, second leading <laughs> score in the game behind Desmond Bain. He was, yeah, he was really points. good today. Offensive he played, rebounds. He, he played 29 minutes. Uh, if you're kind of keeping an eye on this kind of stuff, uh, Bain and Ja, they have to play 40 minutes to, uh, to bring this team back. Jaron Jackson only played 21 minutes, but he also got in foul trouble. So they just they just kind of stayed uh stayed long and uh Adams no minutes at all and then on the other side uh for yeah. Minnesota um just uh yeah they they just got to they they have to sort of <laughs> and you look basketball is like you know a four quarter game right it's kind of silly to to think of it in that way but you know when you win three out of the quarters and you're like oh we're we're home you know we're, we're home there we're, we we got it no it's a four quarter game man you got to play throughout and to bring it
3: back into some some warriors here, it's because this is one of the two teams we're going to be seeing in the next round. What I've noticed, and honestly, what we've all noticed the whole year, Memphis Grizzlies are really good in transition. I think they rank first in like probably points off of transition or points off of turnovers and just like their transition uh, fast break the uh, offense is just really good um and and the question was when they were going into the playoffs is that okay well teams will be able to limit their turnovers they could it'll be more half court than it is fast break in the playoffs because it's just a different it's a different entire game essentially but what i did notice is that If Jaw gets a full head of steam, he is so hard to stop. So I just wonder how quickly a Gary Payton might come in as the sixth man for the Warriors in this, if they do end up playing against the the Grizzlies. Because we saw that Gary Payton is the best jaw defender on the Warriors, probably by far. So... They actually played them pretty well.
2: Cat had a couple stops in the fast break, uh, avoiding the foul, going up with them. Yeah, that's that's the frustrating thing about this game. And I'm not even a Timberwolves fan. It's just frustrating from the outside looking in. It's like I feel like Minnesota did a lot of good things this game, but just um, yeah. I mean, it's hard. You're you're not guarding the perimeter very well, and you you give up those runs. And I still, I just, I keep. Reiterating it, but I just don't understand not calling a timeout in a 21 0 run, especially with a team that young. I just don't
3: get he's it. He's going to, yeah, he's going to continue to hear that. Um, yeah. I know that we're, we're, we're probably coming to a close here soon, but I yep. think that the important series now, which which wasn't important, I still think the Bucks get it, but Chris Middleton's out for three to four weeks now. You might yep. want to keep an eye on, um, Bucks versus Bulls, because DeMar DeRozan has had a really, really good game, and and I think he has always been known for potentially not showing up in the playoffs, so I feel like that was a big game for him. Um, Also... Booker, I think we already mentioned it here. Down for two weeks. Do I think the Pelicans actually win this? No. Do I think if Zion comes back, they actually have a have a good shot? I think so.
1: But um, is Zion coming back? Do you think Zion no, comes back? No, though? I don't think yeah, Zion comes back. I've heard
3: absolutely nothing regarding Zion. What's a couple other series? Mavs and Utah. Okay, so so
1: we'll talk about this real quick okay. tomorrow. Uh, we have Miami and the Hawks. Hawks trying to take one or take the first game uh, at home. And then we have, you mentioned Bucks-Bulls. That's actually an ABC game. We get a Friday night ABC game. Let's go. uh, At, what is it? Uh, Are they? I'm trying to look. Probably a 5.30 game. Yeah. I I, I, I can't. I'm not. The the schedule I'm looking at doesn't have times. And then, uh, no, no, it does. So uh, Miami is at 4 Pacific. Uh, Bucks are at 5.30 Pacific. And then the late game is Pelicans and Suns at 6.30 on ESPN. They keep giving them that late game, uh, Pelicans and Suns. Well,
3: both West Coast teams, right? What's Pelicans' time zone? Mm, I think uh, think East East Coast, Coast, Coast. Yeah, New Orleans' East Coast,
1: I think. My bad. Um, And then on Saturday, uh, Philadelphia trying to wrap up the sweep. Dallas again, Boston trying to uh, continue, but they, the, the series goes back to New Jersey. So there'll be a little bit there. I, I want to see KD uh, kind of have that game where he kind of reminds everybody who he is. And then, uh, and then, yeah, the Warriors don't play again till Sunday. So, Um, All right. So for those folks who are watching us on YouTube, uh, you can find this podcast on BSPN, the Bay Area Sports Podcasting Network. Just go searching for BSPN wherever you listen to your podcast. And on the flip side, those of you who are listening to the podcast version and you want to find us on YouTube, find us on our live streams, just search BSPN as well on YouTube. We don't have the fancy link yet. Uh, Cause I don't think we have enough followers to get the fancy link yet <laughs> in, enough subscribers. But uh, yeah, so you can find us in a couple different places. We, we got Twitter, BSPN shows, uh, Instagram as well. Uh, we set up the, uh, the Facebook page. We have a Facebook group for the death lineup. So we got everything covered so you can just search us and, and find us. But Eric, thank you for joining. This pleasure, was pleasure, Awesome um brian of course uh, i guess we're just going to keep doing these until one of us can't do them right like i don't I don't know we just we, we, i only was going to do the first one then i thought i was going to be in arizona and we couldn't go so we've just done live streams after all three games so far so sunday night unless brian's got some plans or something i guess we'll i got back. nothing i'll be here <laughs> <laughs> and eric you are welcome to join us whenever you are free so Only on the wins. Only on the wins. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for Brian, for Eric, I am a double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.